Welcome to Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy, education that takes you in the right direction. True North Homeschool Academy offers live, online, and self-paced classes, academic advising, special needs advising, and unique live online classes, testing, and more. This week on the show, we'll continue our discussion of time and distraction management. At True North Homeschool Academy, we offer classes that take the pressure off of you having to do it all. Our teachers love their subject matter and love to see their students excel, giving you a break from teaching classes you don't have the time for or not equipped for. We are your partner in providing quality homeschool education. This is Lisa Nearing, and we are going to jump into how to manage distractions this week. So what is a distraction? A distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else or extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. Distractions come in all shapes and sizes, bright colors, blinking lights, loud sounds, and the more these pop out from their surroundings, the more likely they are to capture our attention. People experience distractions differently, obviously. When someone finds a thing particularly rewarding, that is going to capture their attention in a way that is unique to them. On the surface, distractions range from pleasant and barely noticeable to mildly annoying. They may be affecting you more than you even realize. And this gets at a deeper truth. Distraction isn't always technology. It's not a second screen, although a lot of us are, are having two screens going on at once. It's not necessarily social media or emails or smartphones or the things we associate with it. Distractions are those things that we fill our time with when we're already distracted. At its core, distraction is really confusion about what matters. Are you distracted as you go about your daily tasks and homeschool? Do tasks lack focus and meaningful action? Is your family and team communicating more frequently, but it never seems like you're really in sync together and you're not getting things done that deserve attention? Is there conflict and difficult conversations that have even gotten more difficult lately? Are the spaces in your home or work homogenized? In other words, is everything an open floor plan and every room is interchangeable with no specific purpose or place or space in your house and are boundaries fuzzy? This could all be an indication that there's confusion about what matters. Being distracted really can have negative consequences. If you learn new information, When you're multitasking, that information can actually get sent and stored in the wrong part of the brain. Secondly, the brain isn't designed for multitasking. There's a steep metabolic cost to shifting your attention, which means that the brain consumes more oxygenated glucose during the changeover. If you switch back and forth between tasks often enough, you can actually feel disoriented and exhausted. Lastly, your brain will produce more cortisol a stress hormone that often leads to irritability, aggression, and impulsive behavior. Distraction can really have negative consequences. So what are the things that are distracting us most in this technological age? Well, our phones. Some of the ways to manage your phone to keep it from distracting you so that you can use it as a tool, because it is a very effective tool, is to turn it off during high productivity times of your day and high productivity times of your student or kids' days. Don't charge it in the bedroom. 
We have a multi-level home and we always charge our phones on the first floor. We sleep on the second floor and that way it makes it far less easy to just wake up in the morning and turn on your phone. It keeps the distractibility down. Turn off your phone notifications during certain times of the day and leave phones in baskets for family times or meal times. I know a lot of a lot of youth groups are doing this. When you come in for a youth group, you just put your phone in the basket so that you can focus on the people in front of you. It's a great idea for family. Secondly, email. Schedule time to check it. You don't have to check it all day long. Choose low productivity times for checking email. And then turn emails into action. You can save it for future time. If it's if it's an event, put it on your schedule. If it is a two-minute task, get it done in that 120 seconds, or you can actually put it in the trash. You don't have to save your emails forever. They clutter up your inbox, and when you go to look at your email, it just feels cluttered and distracting and confusing. Just get rid of the trash email. And then you can sync it to your smartphone. You can have your email sent to your smartphone so that you can answer emails during low productivity times while you're waiting for your kids at the game or sitting in the car, you know, just hanging out with people, uh, waiting for them to get their tasks done. It's a great time to get through your email. Social media is also a big distractor for many of us. You can actually track your social media over the course of the week. I would encourage you to do this and track your kids' social media. Have, do it together. Make it a family project. And then evaluate and assess if this is really how you want to spend your time. What could you do with that time instead? Also, I would really encourage you to install blocking software to help you stay on task. I've listed some of the resources. You can also install screen accountability software. I would really encourage you to do so to protect everyone's sensibilities. We use Covenant Eyes. It's a great, it's a great system. Um, that I would really encourage you to come up with some way to really manage your phones and social media within your family. Teach your kids to manage it too. Now, a lot of us are homeschooling with babies and toddlers on board. One way to get school done with babies and toddlers in the house is to school while they're napping or sleeping. Um, we didn't have kids who really took a lot of naps after the age of two, so that could <laughs> can be challenging. Um, but have specific toys and activities that they only do during school time. Think outside the box. We had a sand table in our house for a long time and we used colored rice with it. Um, you can also use sand with it or build a sandbox in the house. I had a friend who actually did that. She put a sand, a sandbox in her basement. Um, sensory bins are, there's some great sensory bin activities going on on the internet. Just search on Pinterest. We had a step two playscape in our house for a long time and it really kept our toddler at that time, super busy. Um, it had a little slide on it and it was actually a really great tool to keep him busy while we were doing school. One thing I've noticed with babies and toddlers, if you spend time with them first, um, then they feel a little bit more satisfied and they might not be so distracting to you as you're doing school, but you can also include your kids at their level with the school that your kids are doing. We like to do a morning basket, and so it's easy for them to be playing while we're doing going through the morning basket stuff. Or if you have preschoolers, um, you can do simple activities with them that include them that are just modified for their level. Um, that takes a little bit of time management. When we were doing timeline notebooks for my youngest daughter, I would print out people related to the timeline 
people that we were looking at on bigger pieces of paper and basically just made her coloring pages. Um, and she made her own notebook and she loved doing that. And also make use of memory work, books on tape, CDs, videos, co-ops, online options. I don't like having kids in front of TVs or screens all the time, but definitely those are tools that you can manage and make use of. And then include older siblings in helping manage the baby and toddler. As they get their schoolwork, they can either take time to play with the toddler. It's a good break for them, good break for the baby or toddler. Again, set time in the day where the littles have your undivided attention. Don't be distracted as you hang out with them. Morning baskets or circle time. You can do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. It's a really great way to touch base and redirect the littles in your house. Now, what if you have kids that really have an inability to sit still and they seem distracted all the time? Well, I would suggest getting squishy balls to fiddle with or fiddlers. Um, those kids who have to move, ADD, ADHD kids, they really have to move in order to think a lot of times. So get them something that they can fiddle with. Get a bouncy chair or a yoga ball so that they can bounce a little bit as they're doing their work. And then we had a mini tramp in our house for a long time and they can you know, have your kids jump while they're memorizing or doing math even. Incorporate music into your learning as much as you can if it's not actually a distraction. Some people really respond well to soft music playing as they get their work done. I would really encourage you to utilize various methods of teaching, kinesthetic, auditory, and visual. Regardless of your kid's learning style, it's really great training for them to have all three modalities. And the more neurological pathways you use to to help your kid take in the information, the more it will stick. I would also teach your kids the Promoto method. Set a timer, work diligently until that timer goes off, stay super focused during that time, and then once the timer goes off, get up and do something else. I would encourage you to do large motor movement daily. Have your kids work out hard because physically tired kids actually focus better and argue less. Um, if you have kids who are really struggling with distractibility and have to move, make sure they're getting plenty of green therapy. And by that, I mean just get outside and move around. Make sure your kids are getting plenty of water, sunlight, fresh food, and clean food. A lot of kids forget to drink water during the day and staying hydrated is really important to being able to focus and good health. Um, also cuts down headaches if your kids struggle with that. Also, I would just suggest get a pet to snuggle and play with. Um, it's great for going outside if you have a pet. It's a great excuse to go take a walk with your pet. But we had guinea pigs for years, and my older girls would sit with the guinea pigs on their lap and, and just, um, pet the guinea pig while they did their schoolwork. We really loved morning basket time together. It's a great way to start your day and set the tone. And part of that could include having a visual calendar, include time, weather, daily routines, and systems as part of that morning basket. You can get really awesome calendars for the younger kids. My husband's really into weather, so we get daily weather reports from him and because he just loves it. So my kids all know about the NOAA website and how to track weather and stuff like that. That is really a great thing to include in your Marty basket and helps everybody understand what's going to happen today and that these are the things that they need to get done. So it's a great way to set expectations. I would really encourage you to teach your kids to use a schedule you can get them simple calendar pages when they're little, and as they grow, choose ones that fit their personalities, bullet journals, day timers, goal-focused journals, but sit down with them weekly as they get into older elementary school, definitely by junior and senior high. 
and help them plan for projects. Teach them to write down when things are due. Help them to add in the doctor's appointments and lessons and co-op and church activities. A lot of times they'll sit down and they'll put down two or three things. And then as you as you say, hey, do you remember this and that? Pretty soon they have 20 things on their schedule. And when they can see it visually, it helps them understand how to manage their time. Now, managing time is really a skill to learn, just like managing emotions or money. And while some kids are more naturally aware of time and schedule management, others are not. But regardless, giving your kids scheduling tools and teaching them how to do it, um, how to schedule well, is going to really help them throughout life. Just as if you teach them to manage their emotions well or teach them to manage their money well. What are some ways that you can minimize distractions? Well, again, I'm just going to come back to time management. Plan your day the night before and determine to accomplish three things each day. Make use of your high energy times to be most productive and make use of your kids' high energy times too. For years in our homeschool, we would do skill building subjects in the morning when everyone had focused energy and they were fresh for the day. And then we would do more content in the afternoon. So in the morning, we would do math, poetry, memorization, Latin, etc. And in the afternoons, we would do history and literature together and that type of thing. And it just, it just set a tone for the day. The kids knew that they were going to do some of the harder subjects, harder, quote unquote, um, more that where they would have to have more focused concentration in the morning. I would really encourage you to get rid of clutter from your closet, get rid of the clutter on your email list and in your house, because literally clutter is stressful and it really detracts from getting things done for both us and our kids. Now, I'm not saying get rid of everything. We had a house fire 10 years ago and we got rid of 90% of everything we owned. I don't recommend that as a way to get rid of clutter. But when we moved back into our house, after the rebuild, we had so little in our home and it actually was kind of relaxing in an odd way. Clutter really is stressful. So I would just really encourage you, get rid of the clutter. Do the 40 bags in 40 days challenge or whatever you need to do. Marie Kondo, everything. Um, start your day with a critical task. Do those first. Um, when I was little, we would have peas for dinner an awful lot of the time. And I really hate peas. But I decided I was going to eat the peas first so I could get to the things that I liked to eat. And I would encourage you to do that with your tasks that you have to do every day. Do the ones that you don't like the, the most or do the ones that are most critical first. Delegate as much as possible. You don't have to do everything yourself. Like I mentioned before, as homeschoolers, often we feel like we have to DIY everything, but we don't. What tasks make sense to let someone else do? This year, my daughter is taking Algebra 2 from Casey Edwards at True North Homeschool Academy, and it has been a fantastic fit. She's getting through algebra faster. She's learning it really well. Casey is available to answer questions. It's been a beautiful fit. My guilt is gone. She's getting through math. Outsource if you can, when you can. And then along with delegation, automate as much as possible. What repetitive tasks do you do that you can set on automate or systematize? That's one of the reasons once a month cooking was so popular is because there was a system to getting your cooking done for the month. And you can apply that to so many things. A lot of people just did once a month dinners, but you can do once a month snacks or you can do once a month breakfast. That's just an example of systematizing 
something that you have to do regularly. You can do a lot of automation now. There's so many tools like Asana or Trello that you can use to automate what you're doing in your life with your kids. Allocate specific amounts of time for tasks that you do. Parkinson's law states, work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So if your kid thinks they have all morning to do math, it's quite possible they'll take three hours to accomplish their math lesson. If you let them know they have 20 minutes to get math done and you set it in its reasonable amount of time, then at the end of that, stand up and do something else. So take note of Parkinson's law and apply it to your life. Eliminate distractions, which is the whole point of this podcast. Here's an interesting fact. It takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back to a task after you were distracted. So if you're in the middle of a math lesson and you answer the phone or you check social media or you go out to walk the dog, plan on 23 minutes and 15 seconds of time to get back to the original task. That really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? You can always track your time with apps like toggle.com or rescuetime.com. And those are great ways to really see how long it takes you to get stuff done. Assess where your time goes, and that will allow you to make the best use of it. Again, the David Allen rule, use the two-minute rule. If you can get it done in two minutes, just get it done. It's 120 seconds. If you can't get it done in two minutes, schedule it or throw it away. Develop the habit of single tasking. At this point, everybody knows multitasking is not effective. It doesn't produce good results. Tim Ferriss talks about this in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. You're going to get a lot more done if you just focus on one thing at a time, and so will your kids. Learn the art of batching. Batching is all about grouping-like tasks together. So pay your bills once a month, do family reading allowance with all kids present, do once a month cooking if that works for you, do all of your field trip and vacation planning at the beginning of the year. Batching is like sewing. If you sew a pattern more than once, you know what to do next. And if you sew that pattern more than once again and again and again at the same session, you're going to get super fast at it and increase your production. Work hard and play hard. When you work, work and focus on time on task. And when you're not at work, learn to relax, take it easy and practice the art of not doing much. Give your brain and body a chance to rest and enjoy life. This is going to make it possible for your brain and body to be super productive when it needs to be. Don't lose enthusiasm. Often the winners are the ones that don't quit. Winston Churchill said, success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And then lastly, Ephesians 6.13 exhorts us to at the end be found standing. Life is going to throw you curveballs and a lot of distractions, heartbreak, and things that get you off track along the way. But keep your eyes on the vision, keep your enthusiasm, and in the end, be found standing. Now, again, the whole definition of distraction is confusion about what matters. So I just want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to the time management show from last week, where I just went over the Stephen Covey and David Allen management systems, Stephen Covey has great information about writing the vision and making it plain so that you can get clear about the most important things. Thanks for listening, sharing, and downloading this podcast. 
Coming up on the podcast as we talk about time and distraction management is a great show as I interview the imitable Dr. Melanie Wilson of Psycho with Six. She has some great tips for how to manage your time. Also coming up, you're going to hear from Amy Vickery, Special Needs and Testing Administrator at True North Homeschool Academy, who's going to have some practical helps for time and distraction management with special needs and struggling learners. And as always, please download and share this podcast and thank you for listening. This is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy, education that takes you in the right direction.